0: political figures are a lot different than sports figures because How? their personality it's and affected their decision, your life. Ma- yeah, their decision affected making is Cristiano so much Ronaldo more important. Cristiano Ronaldo has
1: affected your life. In the way you talk is somebody that's very important in your life. As a footballer though. Uh, really you were talking about sex symbol and other stuff. What he's famous for. I was for. assessing his personality. Fuck Espanol! Angry in words, yeah. Frat films. Yeah, chick on chick. Because you do sound like an old man for a 27 year old.
0: Episode 70 of the Mike Lantney Show today, we're very privileged to be joined by William Balaguet. That's not pronounced right, is it? No, it's not no, pronounced right. It's, try, it's, try again. <laughs> Wien yeah. Guillem. Guillem No, right. I remember when I was a child, I used to view you as a figure of mild disdain because when Ronaldo was at United taking over the entire world, you were the representative of reality. And the reality was that he was imminently leaving to go to Real Madrid. And for me, he was the first guy who really decided he was bigger than Manchester United. And I viewed you as the voice of that. I blamed you for nearly pushing <laughs> a narrative to, to break up what for me was the greatest side in Europe at the time. And it really annoyed me. Every I'd be like 15 and Sky Sports would have Balague on and you'd be saying, no, Ronaldo, I'm not going to do an impression because we live in a world where you're not allowed um, to You can do my actions. impression. Uh, it's not. I'm, I'm using that as an excuse. I just can't do Spanish that ah, way. right. That's what I view you as. And it is. it is probably quite unknown that you aren't a Manchester United guy by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> no, no. Do I have to be? No, but in England, your team you would support is Liverpool.
1: It is Liverpool. It is Liverpool. That story of, uh, of Cristiano Ronaldo has got so many branches to it. Obviously, the information that I came up with, and the first time that we said it was in Revista de La Liga, and then for six months, I kept saying, he's going to Madrid, he's going to Madrid. I remember... We came up with it on a, must have been Tuesday night and Manchester United were playing. And at the, uh, it it, it went big and we went into Sky Sports News. So Sir Alex Ferguson was asked in the press conference about it, is Cristiano Ronaldo leaving? No way, no way, whoever said that, you know, it's full of rubbish and no way. And I I had to hear that for the next six months, but not just from Sir Alex, I had to hear from everybody. My colleagues, uh, people in Skype were questioning it, of course. And I I stood by it for many reasons, but uh, as you can imagine, if you look at my career and what I did after and how much I knew about Cristiano Ronaldo when he was at Madrid, um, the sources were very strong, uh, very strong.
0: Messi and Ronaldo, would you say you have a lot to thank them for in terms of a journalist who had the kind of privilege to be writing in an era when those two were around? I was lucky, wasn't I? Uh, We've been lucky in that, that generation of, say,
1: writers that had the possibility of being with them. I presented commercial events with both of them. I wrote books about both of them. Uh, from different... Both books came from a different... Uh, what would be the... Different start for the messy one. I had a no first. No, nope, we don't do books from his family. And then I found my way in and, and eventually they said, look uh, we're so happy with it 600 pages that you can call it authorized if you like so I was was pleased about that and with Cristiano I had a very good relationship with him very close as I said he helped me when uh, on his move to Madrid and while he was in Madrid and then I wrote something in the Messi book that he didn't like that Ronaldo didn't like what did you write I said and my mistake is that perhaps this is more about Cristiano than not Messi so I shouldn't have been in the Messi book but I explained that when Cristiano goes into the changing room he just is a warrior he's a soldier so uh, he dresses as such and you know who's the, the enemy and the enemy he puts names he call it he call it, used to call uh, Messi motherfucker and I said that in the Messi book now what's interesting is that the Messi book was published uh, say in January right uh, then the update, you have to do it a year later, at the update of the Messi book. And it's when the update of the Messi book came out, that uh, the Telegraph got hold of that story. And, and then it became, it became huge, and I'll tell you what happened next. But it tells me as well that for a year, nobody read the Messi book. <laughs> and when the whole thing uh, came out, it was like uh, being in the eye of the storm. Uh, I never, never felt like that before. Did Ronaldo get onto you? Did he call yeah, you? Yeah, he, he threatened to take me to court. Put it in his face Facebook account.
0: Does Ronaldo call you personally?
1: Just just a message on Facebook That's R- all from Ronaldo, yeah, saying not to me, but saying you know all this is a lie. Obviously, I don't publish things that are not double and triple check, especially that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it was a message on his Facebook uh, Facebook post saying you know this is a lie. I'm 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 getting I'm getting the lawyers involved.
0: Did the lawyers bring you?
1: Because nobody rang me.
0: You and Ronaldo, you wouldn't be cool now, would you?
1: So the story goes that I wrote the book. Uh, obviously, I had been in private situations and uh, I had presented commercial events with him and he had been him and everybody else had been very helpful to me through the years. But of course, that changed the relationship. So the beginning of my biography of Ronaldo is his Facebook post and the consequences of it. For me personally, for the relationship as well. Anyway, the book came out and I went to the presentation of his movie in uh, in Leicester Square, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is, I think, more a movie about Georgia Mendes than about yeah, Cristiano. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, so I crossed paths with both, both of them. And uh, I saw Cristiano. I said, hi, Chris. And he said, Facadita, facadita," Which means, you, be- you betrayed me. It means, like, knife in the back. And I said, why? Uh, he didn't want to, you know, go any further. Walked away. And Mendes passed by and said, uh, George, uh, the book is out. He says, yes, yes, I know, I know. And it's a good book, I said, because it tells a story without, without, you know, you having a hand in it, but still tells a good story about Cristiano. He says, I know, we need to talk. So I'll leave to the imagination of the uh, listeners if we spoke, Mendes and I, since then. But then uh, the, the Italian version wanted another update of the Cristiano Ronaldo book. Uh, so I went to his debut with Juventus. And uh, I placed myself strategically in the mix zone to uh, see him coming in. And he was so happy, wasn't he? Because he was his debut with Juventus, the won against Kiev. And then he saw me and his face dropped big time. I said, hi, Chris. I, I now work for the BBC. Yes, I know, but I'm not talking to you. But why? I'm not talking to you and walked away. So that's the beginning of my Italian version of the Ronaldo book.
0: Nearly, in a way, investigative journalism. It's kind of the relationship that a criminal journalist would have with mafia figures <laughs> uh, years ago. <laughs> would Messi and you have anything or is he just more distant? I met him last Friday. Um, Messi is different. Uh, I
1: think for Cristiano, you either with him or against him. That's I mean, how he it's...
0: became so good though, isn't it? That kind of psychology of the world against me is what makes you work so hard in that kind of psych. Yeah, you're right. It, it's part of what Tickles him and motivates him. He needs everybody's adulation and love. He needs the whole audience to be with him or hate him. Do you either. think any of that comes from the relationship he's got to have with his father? I think
1: th- deep down, it's a constant search for love. So yes, his father was absent. I had like drinking problems. That's before that, really. He, he went to a war uh, in Mozambique and came back grey. He went as a 19-year-old full of life and came back grey. And he never recovered from that, so he started drinking. And yes, Cristiano will take his dad because he, he couldn't sleep until his dad was home. So Cristiano would take him out of the bar as an eight year old, so he could sleep. They could sleep together in the little house that they had in, in that rain inside. Imagine. Yeah. And his mom, and this is interesting because you can see it in the movie. His mom had to work for everybody, so for the brothers, for the sisters, for the father that was out of a, of a job. So mom wasn't there. That was, was but wasn't. And a 12-year-old um, from Funchal, him gets sent to Lisbon as a 12-year-old, basically left by his family. So, because mom thinks, all right, one less mouth to feed, but also because if there is the opportunity, you know, we, we may all benefit. In the movie, there's a moment where, you know, that um, his mom who just had uh, recently a, a stroke. yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Um, she seems to be okay. In the movie, uh, she cannot watch. him when he's with Portugal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, she walks away, and you can see in the movie how she walks away, and her voice, talking at a different point, but you see the picture of her walking away from the camera, from the from the from the house actually, because his her son is uh, uh, is playing at that point, and the voice breaks down, saying, "I left him go, I left him go, and now I just cannot." see him fail or go down or I left him go and I think she's felt always guilty for having let her son go at 12 but as a 12 year old even though he was looked after Sporting Lisbon and then obviously at Manchester United etc with no dad and no mum, really uh, you spend the whole life looking for parents so Alice Ferguson for instance And looking for love. And the love of absolutely everybody has to be unconditional. So me saying one secret from the changing room in which it made him look in a different light to what he thought of himself meant that no more I could be part of them or their world. So, you know, I had to accept that.
0: Because the search for love was so great, and this isn't a takeaway from the fact that he's one of the greatest sportsmen who ever lived, but it kind of just led to an intense love of thyself. Cristiano Ronaldo seems to view himself as a person he has now chosen to love. Even if you look at his relationship history, do you know what I'm talking about? It always went to a certain level and then it's just, no, my life's only about me. And now he's nearly grooming his young son to be the next him and he's putting his love into his children. But it's nearly in a non-committal way. It's not really a out-and-out traditional family. It's like they're Ronaldo's kids and the woman is nearly just the... I'm not going to say a side point, but you know what I mean? I know what you're saying, but don't you think there's a huge amount
1: of insecurity in there? Yeah, of course. So that, then to actually say, oh, he loves himself, he's a narcissist, I think it's a sure version of what's happening there. I think he's very, very, very insecure. Very insecure with women. He's always been. He's always felt that they uh, day, day after his money. Yes. Uh, so at a point where perhaps money didn't matter so much or... Then he could get women because then they would be just part of of what you know if if, if they take away someone, yeah. they still got lots more, but deep down is a huge insecurity and and I I explore that to the detail talking to people that have been with him,
0: including women, how they were treated. You interviewed women who'd been with Ronaldo sexually. Yeah, yeah. Just on a like few weeks for a few months or actual girlfriends. Uh, people, girls that. Uh, he hasn't had many long-term girlfriends but he's had is he a casanova character is there a bit of george best about him or is he actually the look gives off a different image is he as into sex as you would think because ronaldo's a bit of a sex symbol yeah you see ronaldo he looks like a hollywood movie star especially five years ago before he started getting the boat
1: as woman that you know but has to be a big sample what they think of him
0: they don't think of him as a sex symbol not really, yeah. That is true. It seems to be fellow men who kind of envy the Ronaldo body because we mistake scoring hat-tricks as the thing we actually view as Nirvana. He's a statue. He's as, as cold as a statue in the
1: eyes of many women. Yeah, and he's not a
0: sexy man. He's not no. Beckham.
1: No, because you, you cannot like somebody that, in appearance, likes himself so much. You can't, because it's, it's like, you know, you're just part of an adulation crowd. You know, you cannot treat that person as equal because he doesn't want to be treated as equal. So the, the woman that had been in, in, in his life um, at a time where there was that confusion about, uh, you know, what, what his relationship with woman had to be, the strong personality of his, of his mom who was
0: ever present from the moment she moved to Lisbon
1: with him when he was 17. And there's so.
0: already a paradox there because if he was with a woman like his mom, she wouldn't allow you to have that relationship with the mom that he demands. Think so did, it would have been a clash.
1: I, I did tell him. I did explain in the book that uh, her mom didn't like some of the women that he was with,
0: and that that created issues. Yes, yes. And would he take any issue with that level of personal insight, or does he just know that's part of the course of that level of fame? The fact that the motherfucker line is the one that he seems to hold a grudge against. Would he have had any issue with you commenting on his previous relationships and the effect it had on the relationship with his mother?
1: Let me tell you another story. Then just before our relationship broke down. Uh, uh, had a, um, I wanted to do as I've done all, with all my books, to talk to the people I'm talking to. So I went to Christian and said, look, I'm, I'm going to do a biography. It's not your biography. It's my book. And four times he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I need to sit down with you and ask you questions. Yeah, no problem. But there was always somebody in the middle stopping it and not giving us a date or whatever. Uh, I exchanged my number last time that out of those four times I said look give me a call and then we'll do it directly Even by phone whatever you want come to you whatever and and then I said, okay, there's another avenue I go to Georgia Mendes I tell him who I am and what I do and uh, And anyway, he he knew me as but he said no, we won't do a book with you because We know from minute one what's in every book." in every book. I said, how do you mean? Well? They wanted to control it, obviously. I said, "Well, no, no, it's not. It's not that kind of book." I tell you what, I said, um, "You, you can, we can sit down and discuss all this." And uh, and eventually, he came back and said, "Yeah, okay, let's do it, uh, but don't fuck me about." He said to me, "Those words." I said, well, "What do you mean?" Well, let's sit down and discuss it. And a week later, the whole uh, mayhem took place. So then, there was no discussion. If I had done a book with him, and that's part of the uh, the start of the book, what's what's the truth? I would have had his truth and George's Mendes' truth. I read that truth, by the way, in other books that they controlled, and it's the perfect story of somebody yeah, that you know had yeah, yeah. difficulties, came through, and then look at him now. And none of them explain about his dad, really, that you know he didn't want to be part of of Ronaldo's life in Manchester, that he
0: he didn't want to leave his bar basically Is that Eventually. that's that's the reality his dad that yeah. was never at old trafford or anything like that was he when we ronaldo
1: didn't want to come out of his world he was just happy
0: down in the local boozer in funchal having that's a beer it. affected by gunshots when he was in his teens and 20s he just
1: he just didn't 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 want to be part of that world because perhaps he felt that he didn't deserve to be part of that world because he hadn't done enough to help him to get there but uh obviously um I think he eventually went to a clinic in, in London uh, when he was really, really bad uh, and perhaps even passed away there. But in any case, the, 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 there was all that and uh, and I cannot explain all that if eventually it has to be read by Giorgio Mendes and Cristiano Ronaldo. I cannot tell what I think of his relationship with women if it's going to end up in his hands, that book.
0: What would you so. make, though, of the argument that, let's say, Ronaldo could have, that he's a footballer He's only met you, let's say, in, in the person less than 10 times. Uh-huh. And he can understand you commenting on his ability on the pitch. And you can even have an opinion on what he's like in the dressing room. And maybe he does play a bit for himself. And maybe he is insecure and that's what makes him so competitive. But can you not understand why as a footballer, a guy who kicks a ball in the net for a living, why he doesn't want people commenting on his relationships and bedrooms? Absolutely. That's why it was better to do it without them. Would you ever feel when you're writing about something so personal about somebody... There's a little bit of sensationalism here. I don't know what Ronaldo's really doing with women. Go on. It is an aspect of his life that he isn't known for. It's his relationship with women that you're basing purely off interviews with them, which they're clearly so willing to do because they want a bit of notoriety out of it. The best moment in their life, when they die at 90... They'll be telling their grandkids on their deathbed, "I slept with Cristiano Ronaldo." When C or seven is floating on the New York Stock Exchange, and he's probably the president of Portugal with a tower in Manhattan, because that's where he's going. He's not stopping. Would you agree with that? What mm-hmm. do you think? But what do you think a fifty-year-old Cristiano Ronaldo is? I think he's in government. I think he's nearly nominated for an Oscar not for you're, you're, good acting, but for the biggest budget in a Hollywood film. I think he's like the next Dwayne Johnson and The shit, only thing man.
1: I agree with with that is that he will be on stage. He needs to be on the stage constantly. And the, the stage is a movie sometimes. And, you know, having instead of four, ten hotels, that's what he would do. But, yeah, it's an interesting uh, angle you put out there. Uh, does he want to tell that story? Absolutely not. Is the story I wanted to say, not just the only
0: one. But would and he I, argue that you actually are just using his name now to exaggerate it into avenues it doesn't deserve to be used in?
1: If, if I'd done that, I, I would be glad that he thought that way. I didn't do that, though. For me, it was if you look any any biography of Winston Churchill, of, I don't know, Hitler...
0: Political figures are a lot different than sports figures because their personality and their decision-making is so much Ronaldo more important. has
1: affected your life. In the way you talk, it's somebody that's been very important in your life.
0: As a footballer, though? Uh,
1: really, you were talking about Sex Symbol and other stuff. What he's famous I for. I was assessing his personality. For me, if, if I'm going to write a book about a footballer, not interested. A book about a personality that is, uh, what did you describe him earlier? As one of the greatest athletes in history, perhaps? Yeah, you'd agree with that, I need you? to know more. I need to know what made him. I need to know what were the obstacles he went through. I need to know why... Uh, as a 12 year old or 13 year old, 14 year old, he went to the gym and had to lock the gym because he was just overdoing it or was running, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. you know, with weights in his ankles at 42 Ankle degrees. Weights, in front yeah.
0: I need to know why he's doing that. And that's fascinating. But an interview with a 26 year old woman with fake breasts, who's quite clearly interested in his money and the tabloid photos, their word or their... Actually, I don't interview neither of those women. What I've
1: done is that Spoken to woman, not interview them, not quote them. I needed to know what relationship he had with woman, as part of this is probably a page and a half of the whole book. Okay, you're making a big effort to make it sound sensationalist because it's a good, it's a good sensational part of the conversation. But I'm telling you, if I'm actually gonna talk about Messi, about Ronaldo, about Guardiola, about Pochettino, about my next uh, book is gonna be about Maradona. I want to know about the person. I'll let you, I'll let you And I'm not, I'm not
0: accusing you, though, of doing anything otherwise. I'm not saying that you were doing it in order to sensationalize information. I'm saying from Ronaldo's point of view. From mm. Ronaldo's point of view. When he's kind of thinking, that's a bit close to the bone. I only signed up to kick a ball into a net. It does hurt a lot. Can you understand if you're in that position of power as an athlete who is famous for sport, why you would be a bit cutthroat missed with me? You the point me, when you say that he's only signed to kick a ball. Look at him. He well, wants kicking to the balls on made, though, didn't it?
1: Yes. And we all know that, and we all enjoy that. He doesn't want to be seen as that only, does he? He wants to be seen as all these things that you'd mentioned, as a sex symbol, as a leader, as a, as a charity worker, as a businessman, uh, as a father, uh, as a son, as a, as a fan of others. He wants to be seen as a human. He wants to be loved in all possible ways. Fine. Fine. It's, it's fine. I just wanted to know what he was
0: like and that's what my books have always been do, do you reckon just... he's a happy man or do you think the people who find that need to be is what you just described like five things and it is all accurate, Ronaldo needs each one of them in his life to function if one goes into the red slightly he does everything he can to put it into the green do you think people like that are actually happy and fulfilled, because Ronaldo, what other life could he have had, it's like there was no other version of Cristiano Ronaldo that could have existed, oh he could have been the best swimmer in the world yeah whatever he decided to be he could have been
1: because he's in constant search of admiration and love so if that would have taken a different route he would have been a less of a millionaire and would have had less of you know million for the, the millions of followers that he's got in his social yeah. media yeah would but he would have been a youtuber have, or something yeah he would have been yeah he would have been the best youtuber in the world <laughs> that he, he's got that and and he and he needs is he happy he says he is you got to take his word uh but he's in constant surge of happiness. Constant surge of happiness. Do you
0: find with top sports guys that so many of them could have been, do you think Wayne Rooney could have been one of the best middleweight boxers who ever lived? Or do you think some people are actually just talented at football? But there's certain footballers you can look at now and I'd go, no, I wouldn't like to see them play tennis. Let's take Lee Cattermole for example.
1: <laughs> uh, they, they are very well coordinated. Uh, they, they have a mentality. The ones that have reached the elite have a mentality that makes them the best at what they do. Uh, they they like to try all the sports and they may not be as good as that. But I know you know I don't know. Uh, Forlan, for instance, it was when he was at Manchester United, he was a better golfer than he was a go- uh He was a player because he hardly played. That's his own words, not mine. Um, you know you've got um, uh, I think it's Gerard Piquet's a great basketball player. Uh, Messi could do anything as well.
0: But uh, the mentality thing, do you know what I'm saying? Like Wayne Rooney gives off the vibe because Rooney and Ronaldo they came up together as a United fan it was such a big moment and Rooney was without question when they were both in their late teens and early 20s considered to have more potential than Ronaldo who people thought they thought, yes, he'll have a good international career, he'll win trophies, but he'll be slightly better than Nani. Not many people believe we we're looking at the next Maradona George Best. There was yeah. a lot of people, like even you at the time, when he was on the wing doing stepovers and had that individual blonde curl coming down and was going down easy and getting four goals a season. What did you think of him? Not much, uh, but nobody else did. Uh, Gary Neville didn't, Ryan Giggs didn't. They did say to me in the,
1: for the book, they, they, they admitted they didn't see it well. But the Wayne Rooney... Ronaldo comparison is only good in terms of age because they only separated by two or three months, I think. Yeah. They are completely different animals, different people. Uh, you know, when Rooney doesn't have the mentality of Cristiano, but who who has? Nobody else in the world. Perhaps Messi.
0: Very interesting so perhaps Messi would you even encourage Ronaldo's mentality because although it gave him all this adulation and success, it does sound like a constant search for identity, meaning and happiness that Maybe Wayne Rooney has bags off because he's just relaxed and doesn't really care that he never won Ballon d'Or. Well, and he's, uh, sta- he's sitting in midfield for Derby, spraying the ball around. He looks pretty chilled out. Ronaldo wouldn't spray a ball in midfield <laughs> for Derby for five million a week. I, w- I would find somebody in the middle for the perfect footballer. You think Rooney was, was two lakhs a days ago?
1: I just feel that he's wasted years of his life and
0: perhaps didn't didn't act. It's fascinating didn't... that you say that because we've had many guests on here and I've I've raised the point... That although I would recognise Rooney as one of the greats of our generation, because you cannot argue with stats or his influence in everyday games, but yeah, there's waste of potential there. That for me, yeah. it's very, I'm not going to say it's the label of his legacy, but it's close to being. He's, he certainly could have been better, I think.
1: Uh, he, reach, he He. reached. I think he was in a generation of players that stopped enjoying playing football very early on. The golden generation, uh, they were put on the... Huge amount of pressure, and I, you know, I remember what was it—the 2002 World Cup. Was it the quarterfinals against Brazil? The Ronaldinho, mm. um, and and I remember walking into the the ground, and one of the top English journalists saying, the win of this one is the win of the World Cup." And I'm thinking, "Yeah, because it's going to be Brazil. Because yeah. look what they've got: Rivaldo, Ronaldo, yeah, you yeah. know, Ronaldinho, Ronaldinho crazy stuff, uh, Roberto Carlos." and i was thinking why do they think that just because it's england they're going to win but okay you can argue that in the stands or in the in the media seats but actually that affected the players and the players started just they weren't directed properly they weren't uh, preparing themselves in the right way and i know they A lot of them the most famous ones hated to be part of that so eventually why would you try to excel at something you do you think that's
0: an imperialistic mentality that has passed down through generations that england even though they've reached one major final in their international history assume that they're in the top four or five favorites every year going into it and you guys but you guys on the continent we're from ireland so we look at a tournament purely neutral we pick five or six teams they sell their jerseys and suddenly you have a mate who's a holland fan you have a mate who's a spain fan we're just not playing but we always kind of know and obviously we had our own struggles with england in terms of oppression and in terms of their treatment of irish people during the famine so there's that little bit of hostility there naturally but we never view them as in the race we always just kind of know england and the quarterfinal exit and it's italy spain holland Brazil, Argentina, and maybe an overachieving Portuguese side. Do you guys who win things ever view England as a threat internationally?
1: You have to move on from that view of England, by the way. They are now candidates. You think so? They are absolutely now Do you think candidates. that's
0: due to the weakening and the, the lack of actual quality of international football? Not the players playing, but how serious it is. For example, when Brian Clough won the European Cup back in 79 and 80 and back-to-back seasons... There would have been 10 international sides who beat Knott's Forest that year because the Knott's Forest team had, what, 90% English players who, and a lot of them weren't playing international football. Look at Jock Stein's Lisbon Lions of 67. Every single player was born within 10 kilometers of Celtic Stadium. They weren't the best team in the world, but now there's six teams in the Champions League that win the Euros. You think
1: that players are less prepared now than they were before?
0: No, but I'm saying the quality of club football and globalisation led to it being more important than international football. International football used to be the be-all and end-all because it was the best players coming together and playing. But now the best players from the world come together and play in the Champions League. What are we talking about here? The perception of what international football is, or the quality of
1: international football?
0: Perception of what it is in terms of what it means to players individually. I mean, an honour of playing for your country and being patriotic. It kind of simmers down when you make example. So, for instance, when, when you're making two hundred grand a week, it doesn't matter as much to be singing our national anthem as it used to. Really? Yes.
1: I disagree with that. When
0: Kempes and the boys were wearing the socks halfway down their shin playing for Argentina, it mattered more than it does to Marcus Rojo. Casillas, uh, Iniesta, Xavi, Fernando Torres, David Villa, they were
1: millionaires when they won the World Cup, and I see what it means to them. I but don't that agree was, with look you at, the, at all. Do you not
0: think that, let's say when people talk about Messi's legacy, and he's never won a World Cup, and that's why he's not as good as Maradona, it's the most ignorant statement you've ever heard. Because we we'll be
1: known from that the previous what we were talking no, we'll,
0: about. No, I'm going to use this <laughs> as an example of okay. the diminishment of international football. I don't think it's as required for the modern day player who plays in the global Champions League, who plays 70 games a season to win a tournament in the summer that is a collection of guys who aren't making more money than bankers in a patriotic world that's only 30 years post-war where we really value countries that don't exist. You obviously talk from the fan point of view and I imagine
1: that's what you think but I'm, I'm telling you uh, football players view the World Cup, the European Championships, not only as some of the highlights of their career especially if it goes well of course but something that prioritise uh, a lot of the time. Look at Hazard now. It's operated uh, yesterday, I think, in Dallas with the hope of making it into the European Championships. He could have done another conservative approach, but could have worked and he would have missed the summer. So I don't think um, you, your view of international football is right. And I don't think either, going back to the beginning of the conversation on this, that they actually are, mm, it's a worse competition. They are. They are these guys have been coached by some of the best coaches around, and they have the possibility of confirming that at international level. So, in in England, do you really think that um, Sterling, Kane, Jadon Sancho don't want to win the European Championships, or don't see that as a as a highlight in their career? It absolutely. Is.
0: But I also think that the England team of 2002, 04, 06, and even the team that didn't qualify for the Euros in 08 would have battered them over two legs. Would have batted the New England? Yeah. No way. You don't think so? No way. John Terry, Ashley Cole, Rio Ferdinand. Look, Jadon Sancho, um, Sterling,
1: uh, I don't know, Wings, Henderson. They've been coached by Klopp, by Pochettino, by Pep Guardiola, uh, by Lucen Favre. These are top, top, top coaches. And they have a sense of collective, which was completely missing in those in that golden generation. Completely missing. And I'll give you an example. I was um, I was presenting uh, what they call the Star Sixes event. It was like a veteran World Cup yeah, in yeah, 2017 yeah. Like in the O2 in London, and uh, and I saw I was behind the scenes interviewing players and so on, and I saw some of the Golden Generation were part of England national team. Yeah, and yeah. It was um, Puyol, Albelda, Morientes, uh, Mendieta, I think as well with Spain, and then the Italian team was also very strong. The way they prepared themselves for the games—these are games that were friendlies. They're just, you know, a bit of, yeah. There was cameras and a yeah, yeah. good audience. In theory, not important. But the way, the professional way they prepared—they all came together. They all had dinner together. They all um, talked about what was going to happen. They all were mapped together. They all came out into the pitch together. It was, it was like a professional team, even though they haven't seen each other for like maybe two, three years, whatever. England. They, they came at different times. The warm-up was like passing the ball around. No shape to it. No shape when they played. I think they lost all all the games. And I saw the golden generation there. uh, And at the end of it, they run away. Most of them, apart from one or two that I stayed with, with they were really pissed off by the whole thing. But because they knew that that's not the way to make a team. And that was
0: for me the golden generation. But at club level, the golden generation were dominant. They were part of. If you look at the England team in 08...
1: They were. They were part,
0: Eight they were, of that eleven played in the Champions League final that season. Yes. They didn't qualify for the they Euros. They were
1: part of very good teams that played like teams. Well, they were. They were key there members wasn't of. was a field that had Lampard and Gerrard, for instance.
0: But yeah. So you think that nowadays, the Premier League has modernised itself, and it's also lost that partisan aspect of rivalries have kind of diminished slightly because the league's got more commercialised, become a little more Americanised, and it's all about systems and winning, and you don't get too bogged down on traditional English. Pieces of folklore like derbies and pies and pasties.
1: Yeah, I think that the pies are still there, and the pastries and the derbies and the rivalries. And the drum. not to the
0: same extent though.
1: But look at social media; there's never been more tribal. It's but the most social, tribal there's social
0: media Social media. Look at atmospheres; they've they never are. been more mundane in really, comparison either. to what they used to be in the late nineties and the nineties.
1: Are, are you Are you following what What's happening with Everton and how they're trying to? Um, how they're struggling to accept
0: that Liverpool are about to win the league of course well that's a few people on Twitter typing things behind keyboards no. that could be anybody go to Liverpool uh, I've just been there <laughs> no. no there was a a very good friend of mine
1: a Liverpool um, uh, sorry an Everton fan and he's got in, in his WhatsApp I saw it last night in his WhatsApp avatar uh, I want to walk on my own and then the logo of Everton it's all related to Liverpool at the moment they cannot escape it and it's in every pub and it's in every place so yeah, there is another side to modern Premier League, which is the stadiums are nicer. Uh, quite clearly, new generation of people have come in that, uh, that reduces the, the, perhaps the physical edge, if you like, the, the, the violent edge if, uh, of the 80s or 90s. There's all that. And also, the way we're playing football now, held by the referees, VAR. the way that that happens, of course, it means that it's more about um, thinking of the game than just a coin up in the air where physical clashes matter. It's not so much about that. And perhaps for some who are reaching a certain age and they're used to so something else, see that as a little bit of a soft Premier League. But I, I no, I think I think the, the the background of it and the and the rivalries is still there. And in terms of yeah, I said it from the beginning from the beginning. Um football for me, it's something that you play in a park with Couple of stones, uh, a ball. Sometimes I play with a ball, which is a plastic, plastic, and inside you'll put paper, silver paper, or or whatever you find. And it doesn't have to be a perfect round shape, but it it goes round a little bit. That's all you need to play football. If you start uh, mixing it with technology, especially thinking that technology is going to take you to right and wrong, and to black and white well, you should see the effects of technology everywhere else. It was never going to simplify the game. It was never going to make it. um, It it was going to take it away from the essence of the game, the two stones and the ball. So, but what's interesting in my eyes, and nobody's discussed this yet, we had VR in Spain earlier than in England, but the push for VR came from England. Because in England, there is a lot of um, people that, uh, need to see football and life as black and white uh we love in spain especially love the grace the the, the 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 controversy the discussions but here it was like no no let's go for fair play let's go for you know this will take us into black and white so there'll be no more discussions discussions should be out of the game and i was thinking no it's the other way you're actually introducing another element to argue uh, which
0: is obviously is what's happening that is a very interesting way of looking at it that the controversy has actually been increased by inventing the delusion of the black and white aspect because they were it.
1: promised paradise people were promised yeah. this was the, and it the m- but in five years it might, it
0: might be they might learn from the mistake because some of the things happening this season are an absolute farce the World Cup was ruined I thought by the fact that there was what eight penalties given that weren't penalties yeah. from guys shaking hands in the box yeah. do you that. think that you're probably not going to think this as a Liverpool fan do you think the Premier League is weaker than it was in previous years? You will always have the impression that a league is
1: strong when you have one or two extraordinary teams that are well above everybody else. Instead of thinking, "Wow, these two teams are amazing," I take you back to 2008 to 2012, for instance, Barcelona-Madrid. Y Barcelona-Madrid were, oh, Barcelona Madrid. If Barcelona Madrid were Pep Guardiola's Barcelona, Jose Mourinho's Madrid. Were in the Premier League, they would have run with the title every single year. Just the years of uh, when Pepe arrived to
0: Barcelona, when they won. 0-9 would have been tight. It would have been with United.
1: I don't think so.
0: United just just for a second won the League Cup. Yeah, won the league for the third successive year. Remember got the, to the second European Cup final in a row and lost the FA Cup semi-final. Remember in the
1: Champions League final, the difference. Darren
0: of- Fletcher, who was key to the game plan, got a needless red card that shouldn't have been given in the semi-final for getting the ball. He was essential to United's plan to break up Xavi and Iniesta, and he was suspended for no reason. Darren Fletcher would have stopped Chavin. I don't vesting. think he would have stopped him. I think he would have made a difference to the game. I'm being serious there. I know it sounds crazy. No, I, I'm, I'll use, you why I'm you... using the name Darren Fletcher. I know it sounds funny, but I'm No, I'm no, no. I I,
1: I I like him a lot, but the, the game plan wouldn't have mattered if Darren Fletcher was there. And that's uh, I, I go into detail in the Pep Guardiola book because I spoke to Sir Alex and spoke to Pep, and Sir Alex admitted that they thought, like everybody else, I remember the, the, the news reports, the, the, the press reports on the time. It was like a given that Manchester United were going to win because of that dominance of the domestic... W- uh, were United even favourites? They were favourites on that year. Were absolutely. they? Yeah, yeah, in 2009? Yeah. Look back, yeah, 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 absolutely. It's crazy because absolutely. even as
0: a fan, I was like pretty confident we were fucked.
1: Clear favourites, not just favourites. Clear favourites. I can't remember exactly, but I'm telling you, it was clear favourites. And also... That's crazy. Uh, the, no. the, the fact that how they reacted to the defeat was partly like, what happened here? Because we were going to win this. And and the game plan was, because they felt they were favorites, it wasn't a game plan to stop any midfield. It was a game plan to attack. And they they, they opened up themselves to something that they had done, Barcelona had done against Real Madrid, that, that false nine with Messi adding to the midfield. And nobody could come close to Xavi and Messi and Iniesta. They couldn't. Because there was not really a game plan to stop Barcelona. It was more about let's do our thing.
0: That changed in the, the second time they met. It didn't work either. But but uh, we were a weaker side then. The second time we met in 2011, we weren't we weren't the same gravy then. Whatever. But uh, like Ferdinand had aged. No, uh, Ronaldo was gone. We just we weren't the same outfit. The '09 United team, and the '11 United team, aren't comparable. Uh, Cristiano was not gone, was he? You know, in '11. In '11, yes, 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 yes.
1: So uh, yeah. Uh, at that point, uh, there was even the, the demands to, when Rooney to actually drop very deep sometimes when they were attacking, but it didn't work either because they, they you know, it didn't work. But at that time, um, that was a super Barcelona that won absolutely everything in in in, in twelve months. They won everything yeah. they played for, uh, and Real Madrid couldn't come close to it. The Real Madrid that, that came stronger with Jose Mourinho, uh, which would have been two thousand and. 11, 12. 11 was his arrival, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, 12 is the time he had to get like, uh, what, 100 league points to actually be Guardiola. Yeah. Yeah. No,
1: 2010, I think he came in.
0: Yeah, but he won it. He won it in 12. So he- yeah, the first year he won the Cup, I think. And yeah, the,
1: uh, yeah. And then the second year he won the league. So that period, those teams were so, those two teams were so far ahead from anybody else, I'd say, in Europe, that if they hadn't gone to
0: any league, they would have. The let's say Leicester went in the league. I'm talking about the modern Premier League. This yeah. is my take on it. I think that Sir Alex Ferguson was the Premier League. I think that he brought it in from a dinosaur hooliganism banned from Europe post Heisel land to Rupert Murdoch, Sky ownership and modernising the English game to make it definitely the most commercial in Europe. I think when he left it had a huge knock-on effect of the overall standard. I think he was the bar and I do not think that Leicester... Would have won a league, regardless of how much you believe in miracles, if Fergie was still around. I think that that's when the Premier League took a bit of a turn towards unpredictability. There's no doubt that City and Liverpool would be right up there in the Benitez, Mourinho, Wenger, Ferguson days. They might even win the league. But fuck me, they would not have these points. uh, There's always going to be the possibility for the big
1: clubs to win leagues. And of course, while Ferguson was there, he had everything, a lot of things under control, a lot of things. And and obviously when, when he, had, uh, he had the, the best bench in the, in, in, in the world perhaps or the most expensive bench in the Premier League for sure, those things helped. And that was helped by the fact that Manchester United commercially would have been a success. But everything that goes up goes down. And by the way, Ferguson left at the right time for him, didn't he? At, at the time that you won the league, yes. But he wasn't a great Manchester United. And you can see the consequences in the following years. You think that's Ferguson's fault? It was partly his fault of of not building a team that actually but could 11, stay 11 on for more years. Eleven points to seventh.
0: Eleven points to seventh. Yeah, you'd surely agree that the Moyes selection was much more problematic than like it's not Fergie's fault. If someone had come in who was a top manager, they would have competed. I'm not blaming next year. him
1: for eleven points well they 7th now
0: no but Fergie won the league in his last season by 11 points the next oh. season Moyes came 7th that's a real ri- I, d- I don't care what state you leave a squad in that's a ridiculous difference
1: I, I do think that uh, Ferguson didn't leave the strongest squad and uh, didn't prepare the team and the club for a, for a um, transition it was his choice to actually get that David Moyes he, uh, he flirted with flirted with Pep Guardiola met Pep Guardiola in New York um Joseph Mourinho thought he he had the the job and David Moyes told me that uh, just before uh, Messi's out derby he went for dinner, he was invited for dinner at uh, Ferguson's house with his wife, both wives and they just had a chat, normal chat and at the end of the dinner um, David Moyes says, so you know have you been thinking about the future and all that and he says, yeah, I've I've called my man and he says, who is that? It's going to be you so before I Messi side derby, Fuck. David Moyes knew that he was going to be the, the new manager of, of Manchester United. Now, I always thought, given the possibility of replacing you, who'd been a success and a legend at the club, who'd you go for? Pep Guardiola, Jose Mourinho or David Moyes?
0: If I was Fergie at the time, if we're taking risks, because Moyes was such a risk, he wasn't proven as a top, top manager at all. If we were going for that approach and to try to keep things the same... I would have gone field and Mullenstein and moved them into a main role. I would have kept them, I would have promoted the backroom team.
1: Well, he took the decision he took, which by the way, maybe by accident, it kind of makes Ferguson's legend even bigger. Uh, so that was the decision that was taken. Uh, David Moyes fell out of place from the beginning. Uh, he tried to do things that, you know, he tried to convince Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, I think it was, uh, was uh, um, Ces Fabregas, Gareth Bale tried to convince them to come in, and they played with him and with Manchester United to get new contracts, etc. So, yeah, um, I think David Moyes was not the best choice, and he will admit that himself. Uh, and and he, but he was partly because that club already did had not prepared themselves for a transition that has become, as we've seen, dramatic.
0: I've always found reading you that you've always. You have viewed the game as bigger than football. There's a philosophical element to your writing that does cover personality. I've always been fascinated by your sources. We all know the famous Fergie, Guardiola, New York story. But how do we know the content of the conversation? How do we know they just weren't shooting breeze? Two great minds just wanted to catch up. How do we know that he offered him the job? What do you think? Guardiola told somebody. I'll let you think. He told you, did he tell you?
1: You must, have, you must have heard many times, I cannot disclose sources. I cannot disclose sources. Why would he tell you? Put it a different way. Why would you trust me telling that story and thinking it's true? And that's, in my eyes, 27 years of work. If you want to, and you trust what I've done, and you think that it comes from good information, then believe me when I said. If you don't want to believe no one's like me, not believing that's you. fine.
0: No one's not believing you. I'm talking about the skill of getting somebody in such a position of power to expose the information to you. Do you think a lot of times that happens because in turn it benefits them? It benefits their marketability.
1: There's a lot of there's a lot of. Um, Is everyone reasons? playing the
0: game with everyone? You now, give me that info, I'll write it in a certain way and it will make you look like this. Would players ever give you false stories about rumours they are linked with other clubs? Lots Lord, there, hold on, hold on. Uh, Winston Churchill used to
1: say, the st- history would treat me well because I'll write it myself. And I think in a way, Pep Guardiola is doing that. He's choosing who's telling his story because he trusts the people that are doing so. That's, that's Lou Martin and, and Paul Vajos, uh, 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 Marty Perarnau, uh, myself, so he will obviously um, open up to these two or three, four people that he trusts because he trusts them. But why is that? Is it because we write what he wants or is it because whatever we've done, at least in my case, comes on the back of a lot of work. So my biography of Pep Guardiola, I remember telling him about it, but it came on the back. It was like five years after the decision uh, on the brink on, on Liverpool. And I went to the to the publishers. No, actually, they came to me and said we have to do Pep Guardiola. I said fine, but he doesn't talk to anybody. This is the last year of Pep Guardiola in Barcelona. He doesn't give interviews. They fight in a war with Jose Mourinho. They wouldn't give me any access. But if they do, then yes. If they don't, no. So I went to Pep and I said, Pep, I'm 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 thinking of doing this. Fine. Yeah, but I need to talk to you. I need to talk to Xavi Niesta, and everybody. Yeah, okay right? Okay. So um, I went in and started doing all these conversations. Then you have to go to people around him, families and whatever. Um, once they open the door, one door, then everything is, it's easier. But then it gets to the point of writing. And there was one, there's a chapter in which I'm I kind of work on his, as we were talking earlier about Cristiano Ronaldo, his psychology trying to get into his mind. I don't know his mind. I'm trying to Work on the conversations I have with his sports psychologists, with his family, with himself, and putting it all together. So I said, uh, Pep, can you read this bit? Because I'm, I'm not sure if I'm getting it right. And he said, no, uh, let me know when the book is out and I'll go and buy it in, in the bookstore. Now that freedom is fantastic, uh, but he's got a lot of responsibility as well. So why is he telling me his stories and why is he allowing me to do it? Because I think he respects my work. Uh, and and that is something that uh, comes on the back of, again, 28 years at, at work and disclosing, for professional reasons,
0: 30% of what I know. Would we not have had the ability to get Pep if we wanted it? Do we delude ourselves that we're bigger than we are?
1: Two questions there. One, I think Pep Ardila would have accepted going to Manchester United under the right conditions, but he felt obliged to a club that actually put the, the red carpet to him and prepared him for his arrival. Kevin De Bruyne arrived a year earlier than Pep Guardiola. Who do you think signed Kevin De Bruyne? It was Chiqui Biggestein, uh spoke to Pep already, uh, and they made a transfer because it fitted on what was happening. So when a club does that for you, but another club, say Manchester United, flirts with you, and at the time of giving or the possibility of giving you the job
0: doesn't even Think about it. Did we ever get no. serious? It was just Fergie dinner. It was it,
1: they had dinner and uh, and at that time he already Pepe already had agreed to go to Bayern Munich, so it was late anyway. In fact, so he, he he says I'm tired. I need to rest. In May, in August he meets Bayern Munich for the first time, yeah. and everything gets signed in December. In that trip, um, that's where uh, what was it? Uh, there were, he was Pepe was meeting in a restaurant uh, Honus the like the president of uh, or was the president of Bayern Munich and Alice Ferguson comes in and Hooners was waiting for Pep to just you know go through things and Ferguson comes in and uh, and he was like wow what are you doing here Sir Alex says and Hunes goes um, sausages sausages you know I uh, sell sausages because what was Hunes doing in New York this was in New York by the way sorry I said, sausages. Um, uh, meetings about sausages and uh, he didn't know what to say so eventually Hone sent a message to Pepe and not no here. Let's meet somewhere else. What? So That happened? That, that could have been perhaps a, a little... No, but at that point, as I said, everything was very advanced with Bayern Munich. So no, there was not a possibility but think about it. Pep Guardiola, what is he fascinated about? He loves history, doesn't he? he the history of the game, the big stadiums, the the big the big clubs and Manchester United would have fitted the uh, perfectly the bill instead what he got was a was a young project in a way and 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 one that gave him absolutely everything
0: a plastic project as well to an extent though like Man City and they're they're getting punished for it now and there will be further financial implications in the next 10 years about the kind of legality of what they've been doing what a football mind Pep Guardiola was where do you have his legacy? Because he did always operate in circumstances where it was, it was beneficial to him financially in the leagues he was in.
1: Is plastic money because it comes from the Middle East? No, no, absolutely okay. not. It's because it's, it's so, new.
0: It's not built off football legacy. So when there's Manchester, been times where, when Manchester been United had more money than any other club? Built off a foundation of young players and a legacy that was built organically, dating back to the Busby Babes and the Munich air crash and winning the European Cup 10 years later with academy players. No, it's not a great narrative. it is. Yapstam was in a... Yeah, but Yapstam came off the back of four titles that was built off Beckham, Neville's, Butt, Giggs, academy players. There was a domination, which by the way... the 70s and 80s when United struggled. I
1: agree that's the way to do things, I agree. But But there is no... You can't put
0: put United in the same breath as City in terms of financial... No, 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 I'm not saying that, but if you follow my lead here...
1: uh, You were talking about a team, a club that was dominating commercially because of the word they put commercially, the the money that came in as well, and they were ahead of everybody else to make it more fair would have been should not Manchester United have distributed the ri- the richness around to make it like a proper competition that you uh, kind of
0: No, you, get, you get rewarded for previous actions as a football club. I know they're businesses but at some stage we have to reward clubs as football clubs and they made decisions in their legacy that puts them in the position they're in now. So although the Lakers still have the same salary pay cap as the Sacramento Kings they will always remain bigger because they have put enough in historically to put themselves in the position of superiority and you say it's Middle East to try kind of suggest there's a racial undertone to it there's not a racial undertone first of all there is huge levels of misogyny sexism and homophobia in the middle east that does go completely unspoken about if you talk about anthony joshua's most recent fight where he's saluting the guy up in the stand who has such a dubious past and background saudi arabia sports washing sports washing themselves to try and make themselves more acceptable to the western world and the world cup and guitar yes okay um
1: let, let, let's let's go back to this idea that if you put a lot of money in, you plastic money, especially if it's Manchester City and you're a Manchester United fan. Uh, when Blackburn or any other club run by a millionaire puts mo- his own money there, that wasn't called plastic money. It was how things went.
0: People were in '95 in Blackburn. One pe- of people were saying, "Okay, that's a bit much." Jack oh, Walker's that's a bit millions. Bit much It's they're... not plastic
1: money and completely Ill- legitimizes. What you win, it wasn't like that at all. I think he but, couldn't do it long term, buddy you l- l- couldn't l- l- do it l- long term. L- let me finish because this is this is uh, delicate. So at that time, there wasn't that undertone of because it's foreign money. What are we doing here? And I think there is that undertone. But PSG and City have changed the rules. Absolutely, there's nobody arguing about. Well, obviously PSG and City will argue against that, but they've changed the rules. Before that, there were rules in which the rich clubs still benefited ahead of the others because they had more money, and they pushed the boundaries. Within the rules, sometimes not so much, but you know, there's a margin of movement that everybody accepted. What City and PSG is like they put they, they are well away from the borders. And that's why there is so many clubs upset because they cannot follow the, their, their lead. Um, Real Madrid are going to have to buy, or are buying. Brazilians at 17, just hoping to be the next Neymar, because they won't be able to buy a Neymar every year, as they, they always plan to do. Barcelona have had to renew the contracts of the players there, and and is an aging squad, because they know that if they get rid of those, they won't be able to get the best players, or at least the most expensive ones, because they go and end up in PSG or other places. They've changed the rules completely. And that, for me, that's the that's the worrying thing. Obviously, City is battling the corner, and they say that in three months' time, everything will be abandoned, and they appeal will succeed, whatever. These are the politics of the story. The philosophy behind it is they move the boundaries to a new place. I completely
0: agree with that. Well, you get what but- I mean by plastic, though? Yeah, City won the league in 68, and Mike Somerby and those boys. They had a big column belt. They had a big club, but... They didn't organically put themselves in the position of being year-to-year title contenders. At least, you might say it's an illusion and it's still money, but at least United went from kind of Brian Robson-led 1980s with the odd FA Cup and Ron Atkinson, the history of the 50s and 60s, to eventually getting Fergie from Aberdeen, who broke the old firm three times in terms of winning league titles, who came in, developed a youth system with Archie Knox. We signed players like Dennis Irwin and Steve Bruce and Gary Pallister and Peter Schmeichel for such little money and we developed our own nearly footballing community to regain the Busby fame. It's more organic. You're telling me that's only a story. That's the Hollywood version. But the reality is that it was always money. The reality is that it was always money. Always
1: has been about money. The winner of the Premier League, the winner of, La, of, of the league, of La Liga, are the richest ones, aren't they? All of a sudden, Manchester United fans and many others are upset because Manchester City are richer. And of course, because there is a lot of other things linked to their ownership which are questionable absolutely they, they, they you know we, we, we can talk all day about that but tribalism comes back here i just wonder what you would be saying if you were a manchester city fan and if you actually ha- supported with the same venom or with the same strength uh, or attacked with the same strength the position of manchester city if you were a manchester city fan i would respect you a lot you are a manchester united you see it from a different point of view you were in a way the rich club before and why is manchester city the plastic club and leicester a wonderful story leicester city a wonderful story Is not a rich man
0: behind leicester city as well of course but if you look at the fees paid and the salaries paid it was much more in so so we're calculating depending on how much is paid so there's a limit to
1: what you are rich and a limit to what you are plastic.
0: kind of yeah expenditure would be a huge has to symbol of how much you possess You don't think it has
1: to do with Whoever club you support and how you view the world.
0: No, Leicester's okay. story. Man City wouldn't have won the league with Danny Simpson and Wes Morgan in their back four, would they? There was something romantic about that. You're hardly oh, no, absolutely. You're hardly saying that Leicester's league was a financial thing.
1: No, no, no. They were actually one of the richest clubs in the world, Leicester City. Either. They hadn't spent it yet. The so players on the pitch. Money,
0: a, a lot of those boys played in the championship for them two years previous. Money as always City won apart. the league in their third year of money. They'd already thrown Rabinio out. People are talking as Manchester
1: City is the first club with super money. Or the first club with money. With you, the, you, with, you know, well, you the are, Bramford's Chelsea were the first. By the way, you became a Manchester United fan at the time because they were winning. They were winning. That's not because, true. Oh, no? No. Do you want to know the true story? Well, how, how old are you now?
0: 27. 27. Yeah. So you, um, you saw Manchester United that never won? Yeah. The first season I ever supported United. 97 98 campaign, Arsenal won the double. My old man was an Arsenal fan. How old and were there you was there? a natural rebel in me. Uh, I was five. Went to my first game in Godison Park in October 98, age five, 4 1. Beckham's and then
1: when they, because st- you were a rebel at six when they started winning. Rebel you stopped being no, a rebel, Re- rebel
0: against my old man who oh, was see. an Arsenal fan who won the double under Wenger. Right. With Petit and Overmars and Anelka and Winterburn and all the boys. So I was gutted by Manchester United in second place. So Beckham is the hero, do you know what I mean? For all, a lot of us guys, brill cream, superstar, whose right foot was basically robotic. David Beckham's the guy who gripped you. That's how people get into football. You hardly expect me to support Shamrock Rovers, do you? My biggest club,
1: my biggest love is Biggles United and we are in the ninth division. Yes, I expect. But you that's to, because you've got a chairman role. No, because I, I went in and I started working with them and I, I fell in love with the whole thing. That to me is football. It means more. I'm telling you that Liverpool and Espanol and Espanol is my my club as, as, a, as a kid. It means so much more. Winning is the biggest, winning a game with Biggles United is the biggest thing. That to me is football and it's not just about winning because until recently we didn't win a lot uh, it's about what it means to you the people you're with That's, how you share it
0: with that is beautiful but you do have 20 years of the footballing obstacle course and um, that you've battled through on me so when you were 26 or 27 you were still espanol and still understood it in those terms, hopefully, twenty years down the line, I can have the opportunity to be involved. You in You don't have team to wait till when you are fifty one like I am to get to big or United I'm hardly. You're, you're, you're the chairman you're no, the chairman
1: but I was a fan from day one I was no, at what? first from the moment I arrived, they gave me the opportunity to I wasn't the chairman at the time, director of football I called myself, but it was about what can you do with this? What have we got? We've got two teams, a developing side and a first team. okay. It's like, I like to do all this. And we started doing it. And I fell in love with the whole thing. It's the best thing I've ever done. And that... How many people go to the
0: games? An average of 170, something like that. 170? Yeah. And you don't have any big ambitions to make this team a conference team? Or what's the story? No, the, 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 the ambition is to make it the biggest we can be. Um, developing players, that's the dream. And now we have an academy. Like imagine Southampton giving you 500 grand for a young academy guy one day. That would be unbelievable. They're thing. not on the
1: contract. They, they can go. In fact, we'll push them to go if they're that good. Uh, and, and we've had now players that have been taken by teams three or four divisions of off and, and that's our biggest success. For me, the happiest day is when a guy from the academy and we got uh, one, two in the first team now, reached the first team and debut. Fantastic. Now we've got the opportunity. We're in the third final since I've been at the club, um, the Northwest Charity Cup. We are fighting for relegation. We are
0: third, two points from second. Oh, it's the best thing. And it's beautiful to hear you say that and you do seem like a football lover. A guy who loves the art of ball goes and goal. But do you not fear, a bit like myself, that commercialism is taking our game from us. And that there's going to be a La Liga game and a Premier League game played in Dubai or in Saudi Arabia in the next five years. And we no longer have our identity. And the fans, the working class people who made this game what it is... And made it the thing that the corporates eventually took over because they realized the popularity are going to be completely pushed out. And suddenly we will live in footballing Disney world.
1: You sound like an old man. You sound like you're falling out, of, falling out of love with the game. No, I'm not. I'm I'm telling not. you, go and find the football that you want. And it could well be, what did you say, Sharko Robbers? Sharko Robbers. Go and find it there because maybe that's what it is. The football that you love. We love the artists too, don't we? We love... I can't tell. We that. love the we've, top. we've got... Dave Parkinson is a bullet. He's an artist. You no, know, we had... We top had, quality, We had though. Kike De Lucas play for us. You know, the former Chelsea player. Enrique. Enrique, a Spanish guy, who was with us for three months. He's an artist. An artist. He does things that others can't. Ali, Ali, Ali Vamura, he actually uh,
0: scored a hat-trick at the weekend fantastic 21 year old pure art can you understand what i'm talking about though mr balagaine you're you're telling me and i appreciate you as a footballing therapist to an extent you're telling me i'm falling out of love (laughs) is this is this a natural thing to happen to somebody who's been supporting the game for 20 years i wouldn't say falling out of love i'm growing very concerned about where the footballers' heads are at. You seem to obviously sell the other narrative because you're somebody who reports on the game and you can't have people think for a second that footballers don't care as much anymore. But they don't care as much anymore. i tell you what I said to the pro. Do you think they care as much about winning anymore? Top footy players. Yes. Otherwise, they don't get to the
1: top. They need to feel hairy when they're losing. Otherwise, they don't get to the top. But I also tell you, and, and you're right there, I know a lot of players that get to even 27, 28, 30, and they don't like the game. They're doing it because it's a job. Fair enough. You cannot have everybody loving the the the, the game. But i tell you what I said to the players, because of United players, just before the semifinal of the cup on Tuesday. I said, look, guys, I the week before, I went to see Espanol against Wolves in Wolverhampton. This was the trip. I was in Madrid. I flew to Manchester. I got a hired car that took me to Wolverhampton. I arrived to the game. One hour for the game. The next day I had to get a six o'clock in the morning flight because I had to interview Messi. But I came to the game and they were abysmal. They did not care. It wasn't just the 4-0. After the second goal, they put their heads down. Nobody was working for each other. There was no interest in the game. So I'm not gonna watch Espanol ever again. Now, guys, I'm gonna tell you what the game, what my trip was last Tuesday when I was talking to them. I I left home at twelve o'clock. I flew to Luton. Somebody was picking me up, so, and he couldn't. So then I got a bus to Stevenage, then a train to Biggleswade. then Tracy, the secretary, picked me up, took me to the ground. I was there one hour earlier. And you know why I came? Because you're going to give me a performance, because I know that you're actually going to play for me and for the fans and because you really care. And uh, anyway, we, it was a difficult game. One 2-0 up, ended up 2-2, 3-2 at the end. And then I walked into the changing room, and uh, Bishop... Uh, one of the midfielders went like fuck Espanol (laughs) and he's absolutely right it matters
0: more it does matter more go and find it what about the social issues behind the game because you obviously are fascinated by the philosophy and psychology of players who played what's the story with the gay thing with the gays why is there no gay players in football what's going on how many of them are gay is there players who are currently in the closet who aren't out of the closet imagine you are gay
1: and imagine you are a footballer and you imagine you play for I don't know West Ham so let's not go for the most famous which in a way would be easier if they came out Uh, and you don't know where the next contract is going to come from and you don't know um, how people are going to react and you don't want to be the first one or you don't want to be the leader of that because by the way that changes that is a a decision that changes your path you're not just a West Ham player anymore you are the guy
0: that's gay has come out it doesn't matter though I know it doesn't. How haven't we got to the stage in a game as modernized as football where we realize, what what difference does it make where you stick your penis? But,
1: no, it doesn't. But, all right, you are the player. Go and say that you're gay. Because you know your life is going to change. Maybe there are people that lead. Those leaders that, you know, captains in the teams, when they were kids, they were the ones bringing the ball and organizing the team and picking the players. Those guys... Maybe one of those is gay. Maybe one of those is captain. Maybe maybe one day he'll come out. Do you reckon there's gay guys in
0: changing rooms that the players know they're gay? Like yes, the of man, course. They just haven't gone to the media. Of course. Yet. Of yeah. Course. Like what? Two teams per league at least. Of course.
1: I hope. I hope. I hope it happens at some point, but it's it's not easy, and and it's becoming easier. It's becoming easier, but it's still not easy. There are a lot of. Uh, I just wrote in in a sport in the Spanish newspaper I write columns for about. Managers, when they leave the jobs, and here the, uh, the, the LMA uh, look after them, but they go through in, into a, such a dark place. They, they, I know that some of them don't leave home for two months, only to get milk and, and bread. They, are, they feel invisible, they feel embarrassed, ashamed, they go through all that, because they know 40% of those that lose the job, managers that lose their job, they won't get another job in football. So when there is so much uncertainty, do you really want to risk things by going a different way. I hope they do at some point. I hope, as I said, that there is that leader that is being created now, that is 18 now, that feels like, but I'm, I've been gay all my life. Why not just say it? And then we all back him. And by the way, make sure that uh, not just clapping on Twitter, but that you actually make sure that everybody around you understands why he's done it and everybody Backs him up.
0: Wasn't the competitiveness of these sports, though, that made them global phenomenons that could pay people millions of euro and dollars a year, like football? It was built on masculinity, and it was built on heterosexuality. Not fully. They clap, they kiss, they smack No, each absolutely. Asses. But <laughs> when a guy is getting marked off a corner, let's say you have a fucking East London defender, and he's marking someone off, fucking get out, fucking get tighter. And he's thinking about his wife up there in the stand with the two little kids his parents might be there and he's the man of the house he's the man of the house and he's the hard man we're going back to bobby moore and he's playing ball if you're getting marked by a gay man and i'm not saying this is correct i'm saying the viewpoint there's a certain level of masculinity that leaves the sport if we have guys who are attracted to the field, which was always part of life it was the lying that made us function like that it has to happen because that's reality but men have always run away from the concept of the fact that people are homosexual. You are describing the view of that
1: particular game from the stands. Yeah. Do you really think, I don't think that, that a footballer cares that the one that's marking him and pushing him and being close on him is gay or not? They don't even think of that. that. So they are but ready. The, people the players who, are ready. The, people who the, make, audience, yes, the, the exactly. audience is not the ready. The
0: audience are the people who make the game. Fans make everything. The Beatles are just dudes playing a guitar. Well, let's, the let's, keep,
1: let's keep telling the players that they f- they, they'll be fine if they come out. Let's just keep saying that. By the way, we're talking about male players. Because female
0: players, they're happy to come out. There's less exposure. And, Pino, for instance, is happy to just... you know. But the world is so misogynistic that we don't value women as much. So if they say they're lesbian, we, we don't care as much. All right, I'm no, not saying that's right. None of this shit I'm saying that, is that, correct. You don't think that the world, as people, we treat man-on-man homosexuality... It seems like more of a, and this is completely wrong. Boo, yes, yes yes, 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 It's yes. more wrong than lesbianism yes. because lesbians have been glorified in like male porn, American films, or frat films. Yeah, chick on chick. It's never dude on dude. Dude on dude's wrong, according to the popular opinion.
1: Uh, it's amazing that uh, where out with 2018, no 20. What 2018? Yeah. I've just went back two years. What have I done in the last two years? Sleeping probably. <laughs> um 2020 and we're still talking like this it is amazing But we're, we're talking about talking them like
0: this. yeah yeah i feel yeah. like certain points when i bring up you, you think they're my opinion they're not at all oh i understand defensive. i understand what you're doing and, and that's fine I, I i just hope that as i say that the conditions
1: get created very soon for somebody to come out i know that I'm trying to think the year but it must have been at least 10 more than 10 years ago two magazines well one sunday newspaper And one magazine, uh, one in Spain, one in England, were about to out a player. Uh, The one in Spain, the magazine in Spain, uh, it must have been 15 years ago. And the president, a very famous president of the club, uh, who's still there, stopped it. Uh, I said, no, no, this cannot happen. So Bought, bought the uh, cover of the magazine and said, no, I'll give you whatever money you want, but you cannot bring this out. What, What club was it? I'll, I'll leave it at that. What player was it? I'll leave it at that. But God, then one guess, one guess. That's it. Then, Beauty. Then in, uh, <laughs> in, uh, in England, a very famous Sunday, serious Sunday newspaper wanted to put together uh, a, a bunch of uh, like a gay enclave, um, two or three people that will come out at the same time. And they couldn't they couldn't put it together. That was fifteen years ago. It was uh, perhaps impossible now, but maybe a good idea to do it. Maybe the athletic that do all these long and very deep and fascinating articles would be the next one. Just doing that.
0: Can I ask you a question without you finding it offensive? In terms of Ronaldo, do you think that rumors of his sexuality is that's just online hate? You don't think there's a slight possibility he's gay? And that was why I needed to find out about his relationship with with women and, and with okay. sex, if
1: possible. And uh, and what i came out with and as i said talking to the what i thought was the i think is the right people is that he was confused about his relationship with woman because he felt he always felt they were a threat because his perhaps his mother put in his head that they're a threat yeah. because he was becoming rich when he was younger and he thought that girls were after him for the money whatever yeah. it wasn't a natural relationship which eventually as you can see clearly it become became much much more natural
0: who do you think Who's
1: who's better, Messi all day, <laughs> surely? We're, we're oh, I've here. got the answer. Uh, it for me, Messi is the best player yeah. in the world ever, so and Cristiano the best striker in the world ever. Better uh, than Brazilian Ronaldo, yeah, yeah. He did it for longer, uh, did it in when he mattered. And I know that uh, Ronaldo's got internationally more titles, although you know Portugal is doing doing well. But uh, but yeah, uh, the, in any case. I've never understood that comparison. and never... Is he
0: better than Puskas and Pelé and those boys? Yeah, and Van Basten. Van Basten retired at 28, three Ballon d'Ors, like, if you're talking yeah. about best striker ever. For me,
1: Cristiano, uh, who benefited from a relationship with, with Messi, has scored at a consistency that we haven't seen before. Uh, not, not for... And he's adapted very well, coming closer to the goalkeeper, uh, making his, his football simpler. Um, while, for instance, Messi has gone the other way, has, has gone... 20 meters away from the goalkeeper. They both adapted to their new physical reality, which um, a famous thing I said maybe five, six years ago, it's like he's picked, Ronaldo has picked, which people understood like, oh, Ronaldo's not going to be good. No, picked physically. So then from that moment on, five years I'm talking about, he started getting closer to the goalkeeper because he realized he couldn't beat players. Oh, he's basically
0: Gary Lenneker now. And
1: now he's a striker, yes. Now he's a, now he's a number nine. And perhaps when he plays, because now he chooses when he plays, the last three, four months of the season, is, you know, the best around.
0: But you think, based on an expert opinion and saying hundreds of thousands of footballers, Messi's the best you've ever seen? I've never seen,
1: and I've got the stats as well, somebody influencing, influencing the games so often at the top. Finals. Um... I've forgotten now but I think it's like 25 goals in 20 finals or
0: something like that I mean what yeah. <laughs> it's like who's done that before well actually nobody what do you think he'll do you think he'll go deeper when he loses his legs and he'll still be an unbelievable midfielder even for Barcelona until 40 is he that good he's doing that already I don't think he'll be there at
1: 40 I think we got two years three more maybe and then what America no the idea originally was to sign for New Old Boys where he came from because he never played in the first division in Argentina but all of a sudden, he looks around and sees three kids and a wife, and and thinking and living in Castel de Fels by the sea, I'm thinking I don't know if I'm going to have, have to go to a league that is not as competitive as he was. We're in Argentina that I've just been to Buenos Aires, 41% of the people they are poor, and there is all kinds of difficulties that the country is going through. It may not be the most attractive proposition for him. I know that in China the offers have been amazing, in the MLS that is. A particular conglomerate that wants to put Cristiano and Messi in the same team. A bunch of people with money that want to make okay. that happen in a, in, in a franchise, in one of the teams.
0: But neither is committing to it. Do you think uh, there's any percentage chance of them playing in the same team? I don't think so. I don't think so.
1: I just think it's Barcelona. Uh, and then, Retire at Barcelona. He needs the team to be more competitive. The the, the situation of Barcelona is a mess, a complete mess. Lack of direction, ambition... They just don't know where they're going. Uh, he's suffering for it. He already said he doesn't think this Barcelona can win the Champions League, and I agree with him. Uh, so they need to actually improve all that, and that's why they want to bring Neymar next season and, and all that.
0: What do you think the future is for Manchester United in the next two or three years? Do you think Solskjaer should be the manager? or do you? Think I he- think Solskjaer will be the manager. But do you think he's up to it? Do you think it's just us dreaming about this delusion of Ferguson paradise where someone who was involved in the scene was so organic and so there works or do you think that the football in reality is he's managed Cardiff and Molda and he's not tactically there and tactics are an essential part of football
1: Don't you sense that it's been a progression though I think that it's been a progression uh,
0: but I'm not sure what Manchester United style is it's a results game yeah and Oli Saussure's results have been absolutely horrendous but I think we're going to have a good summer. I think we'll get the right players in. I think there's a possibility United getting Sancho. Would you agree with that? Uh,
1: I was told in January that he was
0: not going to move in January, and I haven't asked that question since. I think there's a good possibility of getting Grealish. And I think that with Bruno Fernandes and Martial and Rashford and Luke Shaw coming into form and Eric Bay back fit, and maybe either Dean Henderson or De Gea, I think United has a good squad there. And I think if City are actually barred from Europe, if they are barred from Europe, which possibly won't happen will Pep stay yeah uh, he will staying. stay yeah?
1: the plan was always to stay until the end of next season and maybe even if they they do this thing where they renew his contract for th- two or three more years I think the plan will still be uh, finish this season and next season and after that go to the next thing I think which is
0: Italy is it
1: no not necessarily the plan originally was to go to a national side Brazilian national side you I mean in my eyes there's only three possibilities but in two of those countries they say no way uh, Argentina's one Brazil is the other and England is the third really I've, I've been told in Brazil no chance I've been told in Argentina I don't think so but you know it's interesting if you to England, a possibility
0: of Pep Guardiola coaching in England I think you'll be attracted to that is that a legitimate possibility because I always thought it was a great shame that they tried to get Fergie numerous times. They tried to get Wenger. They let Mourinho slip through the grass. Benitez. It was always a great shame that the amount of top, top managers coached in the nation that didn't get one of them. You, you've got, you mentioned there, too, that we'll love to be the England national coaches. Uh, and I'll add another one. Uh, Rafa Benitez would love to be. Uh, Jose Mourinho would love to be. No, but in their uh, pomp. Has obviously... Mourinho finished for you? Has he, is he out of touch with a modern footballer? against PSG, in which his Chelsea, of
1: his second period there, got, uh, were playing against 11, you uh, got some tough, and they could not play against 10. And I thought, what's happening here? And I started asking, and what I saw was somebody that was repeating a methodology, a way of preparing games, a demand of players that was becoming very quickly obsolete. And that was a few years back. And I think, I do believe that, uh,
0: that yeah,
1: that his, his time has passed.
0: Really? Mm. Do you think that is tactically or is it due to the fact he just can't connect emotionally with a modern footballer like he could back in the there's, day?
1: There's a mixture of things, but let's go back to this summer. He, uh, he felt hurt by what happened at Manchester United, partly. And he thought, okay, I'm going to look into the mirror and this is not an easy thing to do. I mean, I don't know when the last time you did it. I, I can't remember <laughs> when I did it last time. But he went through that, and he started talking to people that had been with him. Uh, others that he had been with him, he couldn't talk to them because they don't talk anymore. People that were very, very close to him, and that's obviously a bad It He falls side. out with
0: people a lot, doesn't he?
1: It? It's, it's, it's the, the way he deals with things. Um, it's, it's no half-terms, and, and it's all very... Conflict is something he encourages. So he started doing that and changed his coaching staff so positive signs and again one of the my favorite conversations is what I've got three sports psychologists that are working in football and I've dealt with some of the biggest names and uh, and I love talking to them about all these kind of things and one told me he says if he starts going on telly this is the beginning of the summer means that he hasn't really done that introspection that you're supposed to do because it doesn't last a month two months you need a whole year of being away and looking into yeah. the mirror and then he went to Russia Today, he went to Sky Sports and he started telling his story of what had happened. Because like church is out, you know, if you write your story, you, everybody will treat you well. And I'm thinking, okay, he hasn't done that. And then he starts with a smile, coming to Spurs. What a decision, wrong decision. Not so much of getting rid of Pochettino, it was the time, but not to replace him for another Pochettino. He had built a way of being, a way of understanding the game, a relationship with players and players wanted that. Instead, they got something else and you can see the consequences of it. And after the smile, what came was what he always does. He divides people. He was talking about maybe the people that were where Eric Dyer went to. A lot of them are not Spurs fans. All ah, right, we've got now Spurs fans and non Spurs fans. He criticizes yeah. players. Uh, he infuses the, 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 the club with negativity. Because at the end, he can go and says, but I'll save you. Everything is a disaster, but I'll save you. And I don't know if that's what Spurs needed at the time. I don't think so.
0: So many journalists, though, are so quick to point out the device of nature of Mourinho and how he does it, how he's a manipulator, how he's a bully. But there's a genius underneath all that, in some ways. His managerial career, statistically, is absolutely ridiculous. His yeah, inter job in particular is one that gets because people I know. know and, the, and the Real Madrid one beating the Barcelona of, of yeah. Guardiola, and his first Chelsea job, absolutely ridiculous, and his poor, and poor job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like as a football manager, where would you have him on the all-time?
1: But big, the question, top five? Is, the question you put out there is that you talk about, about the, deceiv- the divisiveness that he produces, but what a genius and what a CV he's got, and both things are right. That's the way he deals with things. I'll tell you a story in a minute about what he did with Lampard and and uh, Terry but the success came a long time ago and there's been a time where he was the leader of what was happening uh, with his Porto time the Chelsea time where we thought football the midfield has to be tall tall guys physical guys football has to be what we seen now really uh, pace physicality tempo and then Barcelona came and said no there's another way oh, all right interesting uh, and that was a, a really good fight a fight in which especially after his real madrid times he felt he felt uh, undermined and hurt and uh, and not a lot has happened since went to uh, went to um when he went to chelsea again when he went to manchester united it hasn't been the same so that was a long time ago
0: his second chelsea stint's underrated though he did, he did win a league there yes a strong team
1: still the uh, a team that he had created and that's his genius to be able to create a group of people that just give everything for him and, you know, as, 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 as you know, many have said it made them believe that they could do it. So, they, but that's that. That was the end of his. It's the time modern at the footballer,
0: top. though, isn't it? It's the fact that not only do they have salaries now that are so high, which they've had for years, but they have the element of social media and a second stream, and Instagram and Twitter, and a completely different career, not just on the pitch. They have the marketability, and they're not willing to accept Mourinho telling them what to do. The, if the, Mourinho yeah. managed Pogba as he managed him in '04, he would have got the best out of him. It, it it the power shift has changed and yes it, the power is now in the players minds and uh, hands that's what i'm talking about when i'm yeah. saying they don't care as much was there not a beauty of the johann cruyff or the vincent del Bosch or the Ryan Clough, or the shankley on the sideline conducting an orchestra and have these uneducated fit technical geniuses doing what they were told for our entertainment Like the Roman Colosseums, That's what enticed us. That's what it was. There is beauty in that, no doubt about it. But please, try to find beauty
1: in the football of today. Because you do sound like an old man for a 27-year-old. Talking about Johan Cruyff.
0: You didn't even see Johan Cruyff playing. but We know. We've read the books. We know what Cruyff was. We know what he represented. Yeah. And I I agree. There was a beauty to that. There's a beauty to what
1: Pep Guardiola does with Manchester City. There's a beauty of what uh, Maradona did at Napoli. Player. There's a the beauty
0: of Paul Pogba getting dropped against Sevilla and getting a bit between his teeth and proving his gaffer wrong, as opposed to ringing his agent and going, he's after dropping me, get him sacked, release some stories to the media or I'm not playing again, hanging up the phone. You think That's that didn't the happen and the Cruyff? Not to the same extent. They didn't not have to the that same
1: extent, but of course it happened. It happened. In fact, Joel Cruyff was the first one to use the media, more like a manager really, but also as a player. But uh, but yeah, let me let me tell you because I said it and uh, uh, and it, you know to to describe uh, the way that uh, Mourinho works. So he was he organized these parties with his with his hardcore players, the most the, the, the ones that would give everything for him. Always Terry and Lampa were present in those parties and they invited the wives and everybody relaxed with a beer or two. And uh, in one particular party, um, he went to John Terry and said, do you know what Lampard thinks of you? This is in his last, first season, sorry, first season at Chelsea. And he's like, what, what did he say? You don't play the ball so well from the back. And really, perhaps we should be looking for another center back. Fuck. Anyway, the party continues and he goes to uh, uh, Lampard and says, do you know what Terry just said about you? What's that? <laughs> he says, the man thinks that you're a liability defensively, you know. So a couple of beers more, and then there is a couple of change of words between Lampard and Terry. They start shouting at each other. Everything comes out. Everybody tells them everything what they think of it. You know, um, without going to the to the punches. And uh, at some point, Moreno starts laughing in a corner, and they all know that they've been played at. Uh, he encourages conflict, and and because those players were perhaps the last generation of players that will accept anything that came their way. Yeah. It worked. It really worked at uh, at Chelsea. It didn't work at Madrid, because when when he started doing that at Madrid, Cristiano, but especially the Spanish players, Xavi Alonso, etc., Sergio Ramos, Casillas were like, "What? What have you won? We are World, World Cup champions. What did you win?" Uh, I was double European champion. I know, I know. With,
0: I know. Two teams that were over 10-1 to one to win at that season. But
1: what they were trying to say is that treat us like cattles. does it way. just
0: kind of also show that if you look at Mourinho's two most successful jobs, it was with nobody teams? So that actual tactic works when people don't have the feeling that they are superior or they are the best.
1: His, His poor- two dream jobs were Real Madrid and Manchester United. And yes, Real Madrid worked, especially 11-12. Uh, but he, he, he had to leave... He had to leave when he actually was demanding um, that Casillas was disappear from the scene, which he managed eventually to do, and that Cristiano perhaps had to go, especially Sergio Ramos had to go. By the way, those are uh, problems identified by Florentino Perez that hasn't been able to manage in the following years, but he already saw it very early on. Uh, and he didn't manage to convince
0: everybody that that was the way. You'd be a face that a lot of people in Ireland and the UK would have seen for the last 20 years. When did you start just writing footy? Like, what's your background? You grew up in Barcelona. You just went to college. And was it in the University of Barcelona?
1: Yep, yeah, finished university. Uh, and then you
0: just started banging out football articles. I actually came to England just as a Finnish university
1: in ninety-one. Uh, I arrived in Liverpool November ninety-one. And I was I was surviving. I was working a pub in Liverpool. Uh, I started writing articles about cinema for a Liverpool magazine. I wrote, and that's what helped me survive,
0: a lot of articles about Prince Charles and Diana and Camilla. What's your take there? What's your, what's your <laughs> take on Harry and Meghan? Do you think that they should be allowed to do what they want and leave a monarchy that doesn't really exist and is completely outdated? Or do you believe they are trying to seek fame and use the name of something they automatically have to cash in? Do you think she's manipulated? And what's Queen Balaga's take <laughs> on the royal family right now?
1: Not an expert of it, but I, I have seen the effects of media on people and and I and I understand and fully comprehend why they run away from it. It's, it's a necessary... But if they start a
0: reality show on E! called At Home
1: with the Sussexes,
0: are you going to go, no? fuck that
1: <laughs> they have to be consequent to the decision and yes sometimes you have to and it, t- it may take them a while because you know in the case of harry is all he knows but they have to disappear from there and it won't be easy and yes of course they'll they'll as we all do we use every asset that we've got without abusing it don't abuse it but you know you can use it you are after all the uh, the, the son of a of
0: a, of a prince and yeah. a, a princess do you believe in monarchy Or do you think it's outdated? Do you think it's just a ridiculous, ridiculous thing? We're all humans. What are you talking about a monarchy?
1: I understand that people need references. I'm a Republican myself, but I understand that that reference has to be something that has to be looked by the state. Uh, And I understand that the paraphernalia and the the look of it is important. So if you take the crown out of the queen, what have you got? You've got a, a respectable old woman, no? So you have to make it look like a queen. But yeah, I think we will be better served if we chose who leads us and, uh, and in a republic, that could happen.
0: The US runs the world, really, doesn't it? The what's co- what's co- your take on the Trump? The corporations rule the world. What's your take on Trump?
1: We deserve what we get. We deserve what we get. And there's a pendulum uh, which goes Trump way or Obama way. Uh, in different times we just enjoy the Obama way but wasn't
0: perfect by- Trump is so much easier to criticise he's walking around with a bullseye the on villain, his head yeah, yeah. It's, some of the stories written about him they don't hold any weight they wouldn't write them if it was a democratic president but some of the things he says are absolutely ridiculous yes that ridiculous
1: that they lies they all that but the fascinating thing for me is that they don't matter. So that's the the life that we're living at the moment where lies don't matter anymore. Yeah. I, I've come from a different, I'm a bit older than you. I come from a different era where yeah. where truth and dignity and respect was the most important thing. Clickbait media has completely changed football news as well though, hasn't it? I, I do think that there is role for everybody. and uh, And I do think that, you know, the kind of brand of journalism or, or storytelling that I do has got a place. But it's bad. It's a bad time for for oh yeah. It's a bad time for the readers. They are confused because they they don't know if they've been clickbaited or not. If that's a word. But I do believe that the, that we have going through or we going through the prehistory of all that. And people have become much wiser. And the new generation they'll just identify like that. Oh no, you're not getting me. Oh, you saying that? Let me check somewhere else. I think that's what we get into because there is so many lies out there and I appreciate and and I love the fact that there are. There there will be victims but on the back of that we're going to come out with a better truth I think. I'm very optimistic.
0: Racism in football and the away for president yesterday made a point that I completely agree with. We're so quick to criticize the figureheads of things like FIFA and UEFA because football is an anti-authority game. It's built off the working classes. We like to complain about those in power. He said that to bar fans from stadiums or to cancel games makes no difference. These guys want the attention. These guys want to be on your TV screens. In a way, he's kind of hinting that the reporting is making people pretend to be racist, even though it's not actually coming from a place of ethnic discrimination, but actually from a place of just wanting to cause trouble as a bored football fan who's going there to express his anger. I agree with that, man. I think if we report it less and stop making celebrities out of guys who are doing monkey noises on the news and give them no audience, it stops. I think that's simplifying it a little bit. There is the racists
1: that want to be racist and want to be seen as such <coughs> and want to enjoy the exposure and the glory, the two-minute glory that they will get through that, There is in my eyes, the majority that they don't know they're making a racist remark. And in this time, day and age, in Britain as well, I think they start to be legitimized. Those that don't think it's a racist remark, they started to feel that they can say those things. For the first time in 28 years, I had a, a racist uh, incident on a train. In, Towards you? Yeah. It was the, the, you know. What they say. So I was, uh, I was on a train. We, we had to wait for another one. We were in Doncaster. And uh, and there was a... I, I, I left uh, on WhatsApp uh Catalan... made an audio file in Catalan to somebody. And the, the guy in his early 20s and girlfriend, but the guy especially said, speak an English show to me. And I thought, what? So I started speaking Spanish very loudly and he left. Um, and I'm thinking... I was very annoyed, very angry. Imagine the, real, the people that get uh, racist attacks constantly yeah, because yeah, of yeah. their skin or whatever. And I was very angry. And I all th- all right, the next thing is like, why? Why is this happening? And it's happening because he feels he can't say it. He, nothing's going to happen. Because he looks up and he says, the leaders of this country making racist remarks and nothing happens. The leaders of the world making remarks that are racist and it, nothing matters.
0: Would you not so, also feel that he's kind of envious the fact that you're bilingual and that you're quite clearly educated and you're older than him? He might have even seen me on the telly and he's looking at his own... Fucking shit situation. So he's using racism. That shouldn't really offend you, should it? A 24-year-old being racist to to you. I used to to joke that
1: Ronaldo used to do with the Manchester United players because he was bullied when he was at Manchester United in the changing room. He was bullied.
0: But actually bullied or just a laugh?
1: Uh, where does he start and where does he finish
0: the laugh and what well, is does the, the, the banter finish and the bullying How did he receive it? Did he enjoy it? Did he feel like one of the lads or did he actually feel like he was being bullied? He, you know they had
1: a go at, his, at the way, his clothes, his skin and they had a go as well at his, um, at his, his English and I said well I speak three languages how many do you speak to one of the English or British lads uh, them, him and others felt it was a little bit too much but it was banter in that time so okay if it was banter that time i imagine that that has to be considered banter anyway i put a tweet out there saying you know this is what happened to me and uh, i was very annoyed and said uh, i said well at least you know um you were having a laugh at me speaking in another language you know you and he had only one language so i feel sorry for him but uh but i should have i should have done it uh, by the way it's the most Retweeted and liked tweet I've ever done in my life, even ahead of the De Gea. The you know the facts didn't work. That's the second one, Uh, but it was annoying, and I just feel after twenty eight years, first time, and I feel as I said earlier that they probably feel that they can say those things
0: and nothing nothing happens. What the fuck has happened to David De Gea? What's going on? He wants to be with his woman. (laughs) What do you mean? He he misses her. He should have left in 2015. He did a great stint. He wants to go to Spain. That's where his life has to be. It's where Edirne is. She's a superstar over there. He near his contract, no? Yeah, but is that not just so we can get a bit more Bob when we sell him? Surely he's not he staying here. He could have gone here. somewhere else.
1: He could have gone somewhere else. I, I, I do think that in everybody's life that we go through up and downs,
0: and I'm the sure... This down's been going on now for two years. March okay. 18 is when I... Sevilla. The Sevilla game at home. I've, he's been out of sorts since that. There was, if you look at
1: that time, and six, seven months after that, there were incidents, isolated incidents, that of course now you've got very prominent in your mind because you remember them all, but it was just isolated. Now the form is up and down more often. And when that happens, there is a reason. There is a reason. I mean, and I, you know, it could be personal, it could be done to the coaching, it could be done to the moment, at this moment he doesn't feel to be part of the elite, would like to be disappear, but he can Whatever I mean, uh, an example of this, and it's very extreme. But Tim Howard, he had Tourette, didn't he? Oh, he has Tourette syndrome, and he was training the same way since he was fifteen, same way. And when Robert uh, uh, Roberto Martinez arrived to Everton, he brought his own goalkeeper coach, and obviously goalkeeper coaches want to impress and want to do their own thing, and and he started missing basic things like goals were going flying everywhere, and it's because they touched his training session. And the goalkeeper coach realized very quickly that because of his uh, the way his brain was structured, he needed to repeat the same exercises that he's done since he was he fifteen. And if he was going to change, he had to be tweaking it a little bit without him realizing. His form dipped completely because coaching changed. So. Perhaps there's a little bit of And De Gea has been
0: passed on the merry-go-round of goalkeeping coaches in the last five years. Franz Hoek, though, is when we really saw De Gea at his best. And then they gave him the easy option of getting in, the guy from Atletico Madrid, who we worked with previously. That's when his form started to dip, when they got in his buddy. No, look
1: look bigger. Uh, Look outside the Premier League, and you'll see that, uh, I think, seven out of the last eight Spain games, he was on the bench. So you're talking about somebody who has to have doubts. What is it that I'm doing wrong? And then when you try too hard, when you come out of your of the way you've done things automatically with your eyes closed, that's when you stop doing the things that you were doing, trying to do others, thinking that that could be the solution. And until he finds his feet, maybe that's what we've seen now. And you you need like to working
0: together.
1: Is, we did a football game together computer football game the pro evolution soccer two yeah, and yeah. three we put the voice of that yeah, he's yeah, a very yeah. good
0: friend you commentate on pro 11 I, I was the
1: commentator and he was the co-commentator what edition uh two and three so that was a long time ago but i'm, I'm telling you what a, that was three days of recording vestibelt vestibelt <laughs> every single player in the game had to be and then of course we we didn't have the rights konami didn't have the rights for some of the you know it was Catalunya, uh, a for Barcelona or whatever and Catalonia B for Espanol or whatever But you think Martinez knows what he's at you think he's a good gaffer He certainly is adaptable he uh, he has he has made a career out of work and I've seen how hard
0: he works and uh But a lot of it's got to do with the personality, isn't it? People who are making it know how to build relationships that guarantees them future work. It's not necessarily always about on-pitch results. But isn't that part of the the job. That's part of the job. But people sometimes think that it's the guy on the sideline stroking his chin, coming up with ways to break down defenses. When really, it's about relationship management, just like any walk of life. Not just that.
1: But it's a very important part of, of, because of course, if he gets the job at Belgium, it's because he was interviewed because of his past, because what he done in other places, because what he proposed for the, for the federation. Uh, and they've had other candidates. So it's down, the first step, the one that walks you into the, uh, in the interview, it is networking. The next step is, is the word that you put in.
0: Everyone wants to know about Simeone. What do you think happens? Does he just kind of stay there? Is there any chance of him going to an English club ever or what's happening?
1: He's, he's learning a bit of English but it's not coming natural to him and it's up to him if he wants to leave or not. Atletico Madrid won't get rid of him. they prepared in case he goes. They they think that they could convince Pochettino. I'm not sure about that but they would like to go that way if he goes but the impression everybody's got is that, uh, that he's going to stay and he's building this legacy and this new He's, he's kind of uh, rebuilding a team right now he's in the middle of it or the first phase of it and he wants to continue that's the impression they've got at the club
0: who you think is going to win the Euros you just have to say a team don't weigh it up dying tomorrow someone comes in here <laughs> I'm talking fucking Spanish war of the 20s in here with a shotgun to the head you're dying if you don't get it right who are you picking if I didn't start with as well but if England have got
1: a, a feet no. Sterling Fit Kane. You're playing up to the crowd. Jaden Sancho. You
0: don't think that. You definitely wouldn't say that if you'd have gone to I would head. say
1: France, obviously, with a gun in my head. But as uh, so I don't have a gun in my head, uh, I would like to see England winning it.
0: Mr. Vallegade, it's been fascinating talking to you. I appreciate you coming on to the show. And uh, you never know, we might see each other down the line again. Not we'll you first. Nice talking to you. <laughs> really man. enjoyed it. It's been how many years, my know, boy. the started. and I'm You know. don't still don't know, know my tears of joy. No need to go, just take Radio it slow. And have you heard the Michael Antony show? Makes me feel just fine. What's it gonna say? Makes me see the light. What about those Cheers? tears? Cheers, believe my eyes. What else it make you feel? Makes me feel alright. Oh.